0: Hello everyone! In this week's episode, you will hear about Turkey's refusal to support a NATO defense plan for the Baltics and Poland, about Europe's most nationalistic and euroskeptic politicians meeting in Estonia, about an exceptional investigation of Latvia's illicit cigarette mafia and Lithuania's special relationship with Ukraine. I'm Anna Udre from Latvia and this is the 22nd episode of The Baltic Reports. We are three Baltic journalists behind this only English-language Baltic podcast with me, Marian Menni from Estonia and Jill Skorwood from Lithuania. So if you like what you're hearing, please support us. You can donate through Fixers.Press website. So what was going on in the Baltics last week? I will guide you through the news stories from the last week of November. Rail Baltica, an ambitious plan to connect Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania with a railway, is in a crisis. This is what employees of the RB Rail, company owned by the three Baltic states overseeing Rail Baltica, said in yet another statement. They basically announced that Rail Baltica's future is in jeopardy due to poor governance and conflicts of interest. The crisis was discussed by around 60 Baltic politicians during the 38th session of the Baltic Assembly this week. It's a format where Estonian, Latvian and Lithuanian members of the parliaments meet to discuss important pan-Baltic issues. But it looks like the leaders are not taking the problems with Real Baltica seriously, because after the meeting they were bragging about something else, mostly initiatives in the energy sector. But why no word about Real Baltica problems? Well, Baltic states have moved forward a lot by working together on common security issues. But when it comes to internal regional matters, they are still unable to overcome their differences. That's why reforms and important decisions are often postponed. Rail Baltic is clearly one of such matters. Since at the latest Baltic Assembly no real steps forward were taken, the issue has been left in the faith of the three Baltic prime ministers. They along with the transport ministers will be meeting this week to discuss the Rail Baltica problems yet again. Turkey has refused to support a NATO defense plan for the Baltics and Poland until the alliance offers support in its conflict with Kurdish forces in northern Syria. Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania and Poland had called on NATO to set up a defense proposal after Russia annexed Ukraine's Crimea in 2014. Without Turkey's approval, it could be harder for NATO to step up its defenses in this region quickly. Turkish Foreign Minister Mevlut Cavlaşuluş said that Turkey is not against the Baltic plan, but NATO needs to act in a way that will alleviate the concerns of all allies. This argument is a sign that there are divisions between Turkey and leading NATO member states over Turkey's offensive in northern Syria against the Kurdish militia group known as YPG, which Ankara regards as terrorists. Turkey's offensive against them and following deal with Russia's President Vladimir Putin to patrol northern Syria drew NATO allies into disputes. Turkey's anti-Baltic posture was leaked a week before NATO holds its 17th anniversary summit in London. NATO envoys are seeking formal approval by all 29 member states for the military plan to defend Poland, Lithuania, Latvia and Estonia in the event of Russia's attack. Estonia's opposition politician and former Estonian Defense Forces commander Ans called it a blackmail, while the Minister of Foreign Affairs Urmas Reynsouz simply said that the NATO's protection plan exists and it works for the Baltics. Latvia's Foreign Minister Edgar Srinkevich urged not dramatize information from anonymous sources about Turkey's refusal to support NATO defense plan for the Baltics and Poland. This week in Estonia. European Parliament's most nationalistic, populistic and Eurosceptic politicians will meet in Estonia, a local newspaper Esti Express reported. The European Parliament's fraction called Identity and Democracy Party chose Estonia's capital, Tallinn, as their destination for their meeting in mid-December. But this isn't just because they want to drink hot wine in Tallinn's Old Town Christmas Market. The reason is more serious. The fraction's Estonian member Jaak Madison is the only one whose party isn't the government at the moment. Holding their meeting in Estonia allows Europe's nationalists to have joint events with ministers, which makes them look good. Estonia's Minister of Internal Affairs Mart Helme and his son Minister of Finance Martin Helme have already promised to meet with them. ECRE only joined Identity and Democracy in the beginning of 2019, but is already making an impact. This is not a sign of a big shift in Estonia's society, though. There are no polls or indexes that show that Estonia Estonia is becoming less democratic or more nationalistic. In fact, it came as a shock for many when the right-wing populists entered the government in Estonia. It happened because of many coincidences. Like Professor Velo Alpetaj told Freedom House, Estonia is trying out an experiment where they let right-wing forces to be in the government for a while, where they would eventually discredit themselves. And this is already happening. Estonian President Kersti Kaljulad visited the Pope Francis in the Vatican. They spoke about the situation in Ukraine and climate change. One of the most important topics for Estonia, perhaps, was to discuss the UN. Kaliulait asked for the Pope's support for Estonia's presidency of the UN Security Council. Kaliulait said that traditionally, the Vatican is quite familiar with what's happening in Africa, and Estonia is the head of the Sudanese sanctions committee as the member of the UN Security Council from 2020 to 2021. Joining the UN Security Council is largely President Kalyulayt's victory. She was amongst those who worked hard for Estonia to be chosen as a non-permanent member. Even though she is very strongly criticized in Estonia, especially by the right-wing populists, Kalyulayt has taken many public steps to assure the international community that Estonia remains an ally committed to security and solidarity. This was already the second time Estonian president met with the Pope. One year ago, Pope Francis came to Estonia during his Baltic trip when Estonia, as well as other two Baltic states, was celebrating their 100th anniversaries since independence. This week in Latvia... Illicit cigarette mafia was exposed in one of Latvia's main tourist attractions, Riga's Central Market. The police confiscated not only cigarettes, but also more than 40,000 euros, six firearms and even ammunition. Twelve people were detained and four people have already been arrested. At the same time, the criminal proceedings continue. It happened thanks to Latvian TV investigative journalists, who conducted a six-month undercover operation together with the police police. Riga Central Market has a lot of local food spots and authentic Latvian product sales. At the same time, parts of the market operate like it's still the 90s, where there are no rules, no one pays taxes and shady trade deals is just a daily routine. The investigation in the market has put a light on these practices and has shaken up the Riga City Council to take action. Mayor of Riga suggested to destroy all the illegal market stands, whereas Latvia's Justice Minister is convinced that a long-standing problem of cigarette smuggling proves a cover-up of these operations in Riga's political elite. It's important to note that billions of illicit cigarettes are consumed every year across Europe. The vast majority of illicit cigarettes still come from outside the European Union, with Ukraine, Belarus, Algeria and Moldova remaining significant source countries. Secretary General of one of the Latvian ruling parties was part of a far-right and neo-Nazi online community called Iron March. It has been described as a now-defunct neo-Nazi white supremacist message board. After this was revealed, Raiv Zeltit is the Secretary General of National Alliance, apologized to his party and the party accepted his apology. But it looks like the relationship with the far-right people was longer and more substantial than just a long distance discussions. Latvian TV journalist Olga Dragileva and British journalist Colin Kortbus investigated that there have been mutual visits between the National Alliance and far-right British organization called National Action. What wasn't known to the public before is that at the end of 2014, Zeltitis, who was then already Secretary-General of the National Alliance, appeared on an online radio show Voice of Albion, presented by National Action supporter Paul Hickman, in which Hickman decries the Jewish Bolshevik elite. In this broadcast, Zeltidis, among other things, applauded German occupation in the Baltics. After the broadcast, British extremists visited Latvia and participated in the controversial March 16th parade. Zeltitis says that he did not invite the British neo-Nazis to Latvia, nor was he the one who gave them a tour of the party headquarters. He admitted he did know the identity of the person who invited them, but had ethical reasons why he was not prepared to reveal this information. The National Alliance has accepted Zelty's apology and doesn't consider the new revelations by journalists relevant. This week in Lithuania, Volodymyr Zelensky finalized his recent trip through the Baltic states in Lithuania and chose it for stressing his grand motive. During the press conference with Lithuanian President Gitanas Nausėra, Zelensky declared that he expects further support for Ukraine's efforts regarding accession to the NATO Enhanced Opportunities program. In 2014, the program was designed to offer opportunities for individual cooperation with Australia, Finland, Georgia, Jordan and Sweden. But Ukraine missed out because of the war. While all three Baltic states extensively have supported Ukraine during the war, Ukrainian politicians often choose Vilnius as their lead partner. How come? First of all, for 200 years, a big part of the present territory of Ukraine was part of the Grand Duchy of Lithuania, the Middle Ages predecessor of modern Lithuania. Some Lithuanian visionaries see the current Ukraine as the area of their possible cultural and economic expansion. And indeed, many Lithuanians, consciously or not, do act accordingly. Business people, officers of transnational organizations, experts choose Ukraine for their work. A second thing that highlights Lithuania's special relationship with Ukraine is Lithuania's involvement with Poland. The three countries own a joint military unit and Lithuania tries to follow the two bigger states in everything they do. Basically, all the Baltic states do everything to keep democracy in Ukraine going, but Lithuania seems to be doing the most. Since 2014, eight resolutions supporting Ukraine have been passed in Lithuania's parliament. Lithuania and Ukraine are in advanced stage of developing the strategic partnership. Now when Zelensky has proposed NATO to consider Ukraine's inclusion in the Enhanced Opportunity Program, he expects Lithuania to take the leading supportive role in the region. Between 2011 and 2018, Lithuanian national Viktoris Parfionovas gained access to U.S.-based emails that belonged to U.S. financial institutions in order to steal money from online bank accounts. But Fionovas was on the FBI's international wanted list until last week. A month ago, the citizen of Lithuania was detained in Ukraine's Kiev. FBI suspected him of embezzlement of around 5 million euros from U.S. financial institutions, stealing personal data and money laundering. These charges sounded enough for Ukrainian authorities to extradite him immediately. One part of the scheme worked like this. Parfionov has allegedly obtained login information for victim email accounts. Later, he sent emails from those accounts requesting wire transfers from the victim's financial institutions to overseas bank accounts that he himself controlled. For example, in 2013, Parfionovs and his co-conspirators obtained control over a victim's email account and used it to send written instructions to a person's financial advisor to transfer around 200,000 euros to their accomplice in Ukraine. These instructions falsely appear to have been signed by the victim. Parfionovs was arrested on October 24th and was extradited to the U.S. under a fast-track procedure. This is the first case when the fast-track extradition procedure was used. If convicted, the defendant faces up to 32 years in prison. These were the news stories from the Baltics from the last week of November. If you have any suggestions or tips, don't hesitate to reach out to us. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook or Twitter. You can do that by looking for Fixers.press. Thank you for listening. Until next week.